Hi and welcome back to the show. Today we have something slightly different. It's a conversation with Gene Bohansky. He is the CEO of Archer's Contact Solutions, which is a relatively recently founded outsourcing firm based here in the Philippines. But Gene is also a business coach based in New Jersey in the US and his outsourcing company to some extent has evolved out of his coaching and out of the advice of coaching to delegate and to build strong teams and of course wherever you can try and build those teams as cost efficiently as possible. So Gene himself was using Philippines for his various business interests and of course then he saw the opportunity of uh, sharing the powerful tool of offshoring with his uh, business clients. So it's a great story. We talk mostly about business coaching and I uh, use him as my sort of private counselor to, to talk about my own sort of business quandaries. Really interesting conversation and uh, I really enjoyed it, learned a lot and hopefully you will too. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start or somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over 3,000 outsourcing firms representing a global workforce of over 5 million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish Inside Outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. Gene, so thank you so much for joining us. You have an outsourcing firm, which is fantastic because we talk outsourcing. You've taken it from a little bit of a different angle, though, which I'm really excited to explore on the show. You started from a business coaching and uh, sort of board member perspective, dealing with people's business needs in uh, your local community, and then realized that a powerful tool for that was uh, Philippines if, or offshore staffing, if I'm not correct. So it would be um, good to really go over this and, and sort of explore how you're doing things a little bit differently. So welcome to the show. 
Yeah, thank you. Yeah, well, I started it um, initially uh, when I started my franchise. Um, one of the things that uh, the business coaching franchise told you to do was to hire their outsourced telemarketing company to make calls to set appointments for you. And it didn't really work very well. And so naturally, I would say, uh, tried to figure out how to do it myself. And I came upon uh, the concept of hiring um, you know, some callers from the Philippines, and they did a, a fantastic job. Uh, later on, uh, I liked the idea of getting to know them personally, and I started to get to know them and um, got to understand their talents. And as my business coaching practice grew, a lot of them needed help uh, with their business challenges. You know, they needed staff, they needed video editing, or they needed uh, also calling or any kind of work. Uh, and I always offered um, my VAs, my, I had a bunch of them at that time, and it just kind of took off. I kept adding people and people uh, kept asking me to find good people in the Philippines. And I was impressed by their ability to learn, the communication skills. Um, you know, the, the culture is not very different. That You can get to know them very well and uh, really talk to them like they're next door. And I think a lot of people um, who are looking to outsource their services overseas, um, you know, for them, they're afraid of the, some of the experiences they've had from dealing with outsourcing to some other countries where the communication isn't that well. Um, but, you know, I, I found that to be totally opposite uh, dealing with uh, the Filipinos that I work with. And so before we zoom in on the sort of Filipino aspect, what is what are you, what are the clients you are dealing with? Can you sort of uh, give us an idea of the sorts of businesses that you are coaching um, you're in. You're based in New Jersey, is that correct? And That's give right. us an idea yeah. of what sort of clients and businesses you typically work with. Well, I work with uh, established businesses, usually with revenues between one and ten million dollars, that have staff from five to fifty people. That's where that's where I, I started with, uh, and a lot of them. You know, one of the challenges today is just finding people to do work. Uh, it's very challenging in New Jersey. Uh, not only is it unaffordable, but you just can't find people. Uh, so people that do bookkeeping or do just need with help with sales or do some back office work, uh, you know, filling out uh, forms for, you know, uh, state energy rebate projects, um, just any number of tasks, um, video editing, um, all kinds of tasks that uh, that businesses need that they don't realize they can do. Uh, inexpensively. And I look at it from the standpoint of, you know, these businesses wouldn't do these tasks. We don't have time to do them. Sure. It's easier to outsource. And are, they, are they more sort of traditional businesses? What are they like restaurant owners and electricians? Or what are we sort of talking about in terms of activities? Yeah, we've I've done work with, uh, with contractors, uh, with accountants. I have a number of accountants that I work with. Uh, I have a scientific training company that uh, uses... Um, uh, VAs for a number of different tasks. Um, any, you know, really we coach, it's a, it's a general business coaching practice and we like to bring business owners from a variety of, of backgrounds to form like one of these mastermind groups. We find that, you know, we bring experience from the, from different types of businesses together that can really help each other with that cross pollination. And that's where, um, where we talk in those meetings of uh, how we can help them um, many times with getting them uh, an employee from the Philippines. That uh, That's 
how how that started or how it's continuing. I find, you know, as I, I go deeper and deeper into the how-tos of outsourcing, so much of it is is just aligned with how to run a business. You know, a lot of it is about it, sort of it, it's irrespective of, of hiring people offshore, but it's how to build teams, how to build structures, how to build processes, how to manage people properly, how to delegate. Um, you know, all of these things are critical in outsourcing and maybe they're sort of magnified because you can't sit next to each other physically. So you need to sort of, you know, map out processes. But do you find that as well? A, a lot of these things that are essential to outsourcing are actually identical to, you know, hey, this is how you need to run a business kind of thing. It's just kind of a language of business. Well, I think I think that's a great point. I would go even further to say that that's exactly what our business coaching practice does. Because when you look at businesses that are in that 1 million to 10 million level, uh, those businesses can't grow unless they learn those things, right? So if you take a look at someone starting a business, if you're an electrician, it's you and two guys, you don't really need any processes, right? You can just tell somebody what to do. You take you take um, you know work on it you know as you as you can you know when you're going to develop a business structure that's when you have to start um, writing procedures when you start having standards for work where you start uh, having to do things consistently and um, one of the things I learned early on uh, working with uh, with anybody that you're going to outsource to is that you have to be very good at communicating the requirements for the job that you give them. And I think that's that's a huge area where it falls short. In fact, I can tell you um, the, the instances where uh, business owners fail and not only, and also fail not only with outsourcing, but also just working with their own employees is that inability to communicate properly what is required of them uh, and then to hold them accountable when they're not doing uh, doing the right things, and that's one of the things that I've seen. Uh, I've I've had some some clients that um, you know we arranged some assistance and some outsourced services uh, workers for them, and it was the clients that made it fail because they were totally unable to communicate. They had expectations that weren't realistic. They had they didn't have their own processes down. They expected. The, the people to just learn by themselves. And these are the same reasons why business owners fail at running businesses. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's one of the things that I, that I think I bring to the table because I'm coaching business owners through these challenges every day. I mean, it's, it's. And it, it's sort of simple steps into maturation of a business, isn't it? You know, because as you say, when you're a solopreneur or there's just one, two or three of you, it kind of all exists in your head. And then I think, when people start to employ their first people, it's it's all sort of egocentric. It's all about the entrepreneur. It's all about, I need this done, get this done, as opposed to as you sort of mature a bit, it's, it's actually flips the other way. And it's how do you enable the staff and you become almost like a servant leader to the staff and the processes and things like that. Yeah, And it, it takes that learning to move from this sort of, you know, egocentric entrepreneur you've got to help me do this. You've got to be the unicorn. I don't want to help you. I don't have time to train you to, you know, how can I serve you? How can I serve the systems and things like that? And it's, it's quite a big step. Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't make that step. You know, I would, right. I would say that that's the biggest thing that 
that um, business owners need to need to learn because remember they get into business because they're good at doing something and they like doing something and when they have to move to actually managing people um, they're not going to be doing what they like anymore they have to learn a completely different skill set and um, it's driven you know when you look at how a business owner goes from that one phase to another it's driven by their own necessity for growth. You know, they they wind up needing to do it because they're not going to meet their revenue goals otherwise. And they certainly uh, will run out of time first because, you know, there's only so much time in a day. And a lot of times um, people come, they come and get a business coach because they're in a jam and they don't know how to go to that next level. And, mm-hmm. and the coach is there to help them navigate those changes. So people um, can get stuck in a bit of a resource trap, I think, can't they? In, in that, you know, they get to a certain amount of revenues by hook or by crook, and then they can't kind of go the next step because you can't afford to hire the right staff and they can't maybe grow to the next step because they can't afford the marketing budget. And do you find a lot of people get sort of stuck in the point where they are and it's not necessarily their fault or through any lack of creativity, but they're almost just locked in. And as you said, like even a bookkeeper is prohibitively expensive in the U S and you get to this stage, you know, and then the entrepreneurs are working 80 hours a week and they're burning out and you get to the stage where they, they just then um, sort of come to a stasis and they just exist and they've kind of given up on the growth thing because they're locked in from a resource point of view. Do you see that often? I do see that. I, I see that uh, that is common because they don't know what to do next, right? So there's so many options. I mean, that's where the that's where a coach can come in and provide those options um, and and help them see, see their way through. Because if you think about it, once you're already at your limit, you know, you're already doing everything that you can. It's very difficult to offload. You know, one of the things that I want to point out that is that is a common issue is a lot of people have just bad experience hiring people. If you hire the wrong people, um, you don't really want to hire them again. I mean, a lot of business owners stop growing because they can't hire or manage people. And some people also have bad experience outsourcing, right? Um, I have a number of people that, that come to me after having no luck outsourcing because they've outsourced to the wrong people or they haven't been able to communicate the requirements. And that's where I think, uh, you know, where I think there's a lot of room in this business for, for that liaison between the two, right? Where you have, you have um, good communication and good management of your uh, outsourced team with, uh, you know, with the client in, in the, in the, in the United States or wherever that might be, right? Where that communication is key to make sure that it works properly. Um, mm. I just it- I just wrote an article yesterday actually about this common trope to hire the best. You know, I think it's Richard Branson that says, you know, hire the best and then get out of their way. Um, I find that is too simplistic. And I have at the moment now 250 staff and I am going through a period of overwork and overstress and I can't get the team in 
you know, and, you know, even at 250 staff, it, it never seems to feel easier. But I'm also faced by, you know, if I hire the best, I won't have any money because, you know, a what, like a CTO, a CFO, a COO, they can all cost 30 grand a month each. And right. how does any business afford that? And so it's easy to say, look, hire the best and get out of their way. But can't it doesn't actually work that and even even me at a relatively mature level of business um i feel that i can't really i i can't afford those top execs do you do you come across that much well yeah that's where you have to make the creative decisions on how you're going to grow and who you're going to hire um you know that's that's a challenge for any business because you can hire the wrong people i mean i've been through many iterations at companies where they hire the wrong people, but it's not just the wrong person um, in terms of the person themselves, it's the wrong role, right? So you you have to really understand what the roles are going to be and what they're going to be doing in those roles for your business. And that's a key thing because you can end up, you know, creating a management team that ends up just (laughs) creates a lot of work for itself, right? Without really being useful. And that's certainly as uh, companies get bigger, that's always a challenge as they get more bureaucratic and the, the management ends up standing in the way of progress, right? Uh, not making progress. So a lot of it is making sure you have the right people in the right places, but you have to really define where those places are going to be uh, because a lot of mistakes are made there, in my opinion, because uh, that can take your business in a, in a different direction entirely. Mm, mm. Yeah, I just find it, it, you know, good people, especially recently, salaries have been going crazy, you know, and to hire a bunch of good people is prohibitively expensive. And so unless you're sort of Silicon Valley funded and things like that, and on a massive burn rate, everyone has to be very careful with the resources that they allocate. And getting good staff is really, really hard, you know, Um, of course, everyone would perform better if they had, you know, 10 execs that were running the whole show for them. But that's, that's the, that's that walking that fine line of business, isn't it? Between kind of growth and making profit or survival. I think that'll always be a challenge, you know, trying to find the right people in the right places. Uh, Sometimes the benefits can be intangible where, you know, if you're developing a business, yourself there's got to be other reasons people want to work for that business uh though overall i mean certainly in in the united states it's very difficult to hire good people uh for for many reasons uh, there's work ethic issues there's uh difficulty of just finding people um especially in in new jersey in the more more mature areas uh, a lot of people just have given up right so they can't find people so many ca- many cases Outsourcing is an, is really the only option to grow, and um, and people have to learn, still have to learn that it's possible to do it. So I think there's still so many businesses that don't that don't know that. Yeah, what you've stumbled on is is nothing new. To be honest, the, the um, Accentures of the world with seven hundred thousand staff, you know, they go in and they do business consulting with these enterprises, and they go, hey, look that expensive operation over there, we can cut that out of your business and get it done more efficiently offshore for cheaper. Um, you know, and it's been happening in that 
style for 30 years. Um, and I think that now it's really just making uh, um, its presence within the SME sector, of course, because the friction of doing global employment is, is dropping. Um, but it's tried and tested to some degree. What are you seeing on the ground with the businesses that you're working with? What is their level of awareness of outsourcing? How many have tried it before? And do they know sort of the, the, the differences of outsourcing versus a freelancer on Upwork, for example? I would say that, you know, I, th I think there's a big difference between when you look at larger corporations, uh, like you were talking about, that have been doing this for a longer period of time. When you're looking at small and medium-sized businesses that are like, let's say, under, you know, uh, revenues under 20 or $30 million, that's where they don't really have much experience. It's there where it's new for them. If, because of the fact that most of them are so busy with their businesses, you know, when a business when a business reaches a certain size, you you have management a management team that has a little bit more time. They're not actually doing a lot of the work; they're doing more managing and more strategic planning, and these sorts of activities. But when you're in a smaller business, there's less time for that, and less time to really take less opportunity to take chances with what you're doing. So um, I think that. I think there's uh, there's a huge growth potential on the smaller sizes of businesses, if that makes any sense, because of the lack of awareness of their ability to do it. Uh, as opposed, you know, maybe you have some entrepreneurs that are doing th things in 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 smaller um, in smaller ways, but you know, some of the people that I've spoken to already, even even you know, even I would consider medium sized, you know companies that are a hundred million, um, there's a lot of them that haven't tried it either. So yes, the really huge companies have like a T-Mobile or something that have, you know, that have these huge call centers and, um, but there's a lot of companies that have not done it. Yeah. No, I know so, it's incredible. Like the, the penetration rates are still relatively low. What is the awareness like? Have, you know, have most people heard of Filipino staff, Filipino VAs these days, or you know, what, what do you think they sort of conceptualize it as well i think most of the people most of the people have a negative connotation because of the amount of spam calls that they get and so one of the biggest things to to um you know i think one of the biggest challenges is to is there's a lot of people who are negative on it right because of all the phone calls they get for selling all kinds of stuff they immediately think it's someone overseas and they hang up. Um, I think that, and a lot of those callers, quite frankly, don't have good English skills, right? So some of these call centers um, doing campaigns in the United States have people with very thick accents. And I think most of the people, that's their awareness, honestly. Um, even the people that, even people that have been in business for a while, that's still... Uh, and something that needs to be overcome. You know, uh, I the 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 people that you now we're we're pretty strict on hiring people with good English skills, primarily because if they're going to do outs, uh, you know, outbound calling, I I like to do some of the more, I would say, more complicated campaigns. I, I want 
the, the agents to be able to have conversations with the clients. I want them to call business owners. I want them to call, you know, C-level people and have conversations with them about what they're calling about. And so those, those, that's a little bit more sophisticated as a, you know, that we, uh, calls that we try to focus on. And um, a lot of people that just aren't aware that you can hire people with that standard overseas, people that have really good English skills and can have a conversation. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's, uh, that, that's something that, that we need to work on. That, I think that's the biggest shame. And um, for all the success of the branding of the Philippines, I, I think it's a double-edged sword. And the Philippines has become famous or infamous now for virtual assistants. And it was popularized by Tim Ferriss. And it's also known for call centers. And so people sort of have limited expectations of what exists in the Philippines. And, you know, I've lived in the Philippines for 10 years and you come to realize that it's not just this sort of fabled land of VAs. Um, every major international corporation is here, you know, whether it's like Facebook or Google or Procter and Graham Gamble or Ernst & Young or uh, JP Morgan, um, you know, all of the management consultancies are here. Uh, there are Filipinos living in the Philippines that are Harvard graduates, Stanford graduates. You know, there are whatever you want, um, you know, and there's obviously a thriving startup scene in the Philippines. There's a lot of techies, there's developers and things like that. And it's a shame when people think that it is just, um, a land of VAs, you know, and then they set low expectations and then they set a, a wage limit of $2 an hour and then they complain because they are getting sort of ill-performing VAs, you know, and I try and encourage people to to hire, um, you know, not just uh, the professionals, you know, and the highest level professionals. Uh, and I think that that can really transform a business as opposed to, um, just hiring a bunch of VAs. Do you do you sort of have that conversation with the clients generally, or, or what are you seeing, or what are you hiring generally f um, f on behalf of your clients? Well, I mean, I th I think that uh, you know, I think part of you know part of my role is educating uh, my clients what is possible, right? So that's that's part of the part of the uh, the mission in this is you know when you're when you're working with a business that is interested in outsourcing, it is setting the expectations of what is possible and what they, they can do with, with them, right? So, uh, you know, the, the Filipinos are the number one users of social media, right? So, you know, they know how to, if you're going to hire people, they're going to know how to do things that every, anyone in, you know, in your home country is going to know how to do, right? They, they can do a lot of the, a lot of those things. They, they, they are aware of a lot of the things. And, you know, I'm speaking mo mostly of Americans. You know, a lot of Americans don't travel very much and don't realize, you know, to, to the extent that um, that people are able to do and know things as well as you do, right? So I think that goes for a lot of people that are running small businesses. I mean, if you're on a larger organization and you're, you know, higher on the – 
on on the food chain and you're you're an international traveler and you're trying to put together organizations your larger outsourced organizations that's not really an issue for them but i'm talking more you know more of those small and medium-sized business owners that need you know two five ten twenty staff um that you they might just not have the awareness they might not have ever traveled outside of the country they might not know they they might only have the impression of those callers that might not even be from the Philippines, right? They don't, they might not even know that. So, um, th I think that there's a huge opportunity, uh, for, for education and, uh, to help, uh, be the liaison, like I said, between the client and, uh, the team in the Philippines to make sure that, you know, what work is being done and what their expectations are, are being done properly accurately and people are on the same page right um yeah that, yeah and that, that's like right. most and things I, it comes down to the basics doesn't it you know it's it's about getting all those basics right and then you have the foundation to to expand from there right and i i'm really i'm really focused on the nuts and bolts i mean of the of of you know the actual operation that we're going to be outsourcing and make sure that the management team here in the Philippines really works closely with the client to understand the expectations because uh, you, you we want to make sure it's going to work out well that uh, that they're going to meet their needs and be held to the standards that they are expecting the other thing that I've noticed too and this is this goes the other way is there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people who get into this who have expectations that are too high and from the standpoint of they think they can just, you know, write a couple of emails and then have, you know, and that the person on the other side of the world is going to magically understand exactly what they said. Right. So there's, there's that also where, you know, the, the, it actually um, fails more often when there's just a lack of communication and the expectation that they just understand everything. So, yeah. What I find as well is, is outsourcing is really just staffing and HR, you know, it, it's, it's no more complicated than that. And when you're dealing with staffing, um, once you sort of level everything out over, if you zoom out, you know, over a 10 year view, if you own, if you, oh my gosh, if you employ a hundred staff, for example, um, on general staffing are never going to blow you away in terms of, oh my gosh, these guys are amazing. You know, of course, people are incredible, but but running a team of people is really difficult. You're always sort of treading that fine line, having to manage people, and then, you know, there's people leaving and people going, and and it it is never this sort of utopia. It's always, always hard work, but that's, that's what makes things brilliant. But so as a staffing organization, I think, the you know the net present the um, NPS of outsourcing firms can never really be that high because people are like ultimately look they're great they're good staff they're great but is it ever a ten out of a ten experience like do you think that you know an outsourcing firm or employment generally is ever then considered to be a ten out of ten experience because of those you know it is fundamentally so challenging to get this thing right and always needs tweaking. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that's absolutely correct. I mean, it's very difficult to um, 
to constantly hire, manage, and uh, take care of people, right? Because people are people. Um, you don't really know how much of a commitment they're making to the job, what kind of work they're going to perform. And you have to, you just have to manage, you just have to hope you have a good hiring process. You know, on our side, we, that's something we really focused on is to have a really robust hiring process uh, where we try to, to, um, to get the best people we can. And, and it's also very important to let the people go quickly when they're not the right people. Uh, I think that's the biggest challenge that organizations have is they don't, they're not strict enough with, um, with that, right. To really watch people, to see that, making sure that you really do have the right people on the team, but that's the hardest part of it. Um, I remember coaching an, uh, an owner that owned three Wendy's franchises, you know, it's a fast food chain and he had, um, an average staff of 50, but a turnover of five months. So his challenge was he had to hire over a hundred people a year. He says, I didn't realize I, 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 I didn't buy a, a burger business. I bought a hiring business <laughs> because you've got to hire so many people. And I, I think that's, you know, when you're building a, an outsourced services company, you're building a hiring organization because you're going to be constantly hiring and, and firing because you're not only you're hiring with your growing for the, your new opportunities, you have to hire for the people who are, who are leaving and the people who need to leave. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's exhausting, isn't it? You know, and, but you know, I'm, my organization is generally trying to promote the benefits of outsourcing in the Philippines and India and all of this sort of stuff. And it's hard if the sort of ultimate achievement is, yeah, their staff. You know, they're doing great, they're doing great job, but it's still hard to manage these people, you know, because that's reality, isn't it? It's, it's always going to be a little bit like herding cats. And so, you know, if I'm selling Ferrari, you can say, you know, this is truly a magnificent machine. And whereas when you're dealing with staffing, it, you can never avoid this reality of, look, it's, it's, it's delicate and you've got to manage this. Um, I suppose it's like the best, worst option um and but that doesn't sell so much does it you know and then if you know can you then get people raving about outsourcing uh when you know it's it's really just this sort of it, it everything kind of comes to this equilibrium of yeah they're good but it's still hard work you know well, I think it. I think it's going to depend on each on on a client by client basis, right? It depends on where they're coming into this. Uh, some, you know, for for, I guess my experience is on the smaller business side, smaller and medium sized enterprises that are that are doing this, you know, for the first time or or uh, using it to grow their own business. I think there's pretty much uh, the feeling of uh, this is this is a great just a great step. I mean, later on, it's probably going to turn into any kind of other management challenge, but at least, you know, if somebody else is doing some of those hiring and firing and managing the HR, that's work that they don't have to do in their home country, right? Because doing that in, in the U S is a lot harder, <laughs> right? So, so uh, it's just getting some of that off the plate. And, you know, for a lot of people, that's, you know, that's good enough. Um, you know, a, a, a good enough step. 
I uh, was talking to an Australian the other day. She works for a public, a multinational publicly listed company, and she uh, got this job internally and then was saying, look, we really should do this part offshore. And I think it took her about a year or two to convince them. They were skeptical. Uh, and eventually they allowed her. They gave her a small budget. It was successful. Uh, and now they have about 140 staff offshore uh, and is going extremely well. But what is interesting as well is, you know, once they get used to the initial, oh my gosh, this is amazing and we're saving so much, then the second year is like, well, that's now normalized. That's taken for granted. And, you know, we now know that you can save 70% on costs. So what do we work with from here? And she said, after sort of year two, it's like, well, you're kind of back to square one. You've, you've got to prove yourself over and over. And, you know, th this incredible sort of uplift in terms of performance and costs and all of this stuff is now just, that's a given. Um, you know, it, um, it doesn't take long for, I suppose, corporations to uh, adjust to the new norm. Yeah, it just resets the bar. I mean, what, mm -hmm. one of the things like you, you, a lot of the larger companies that that are publicly traded, you know, they have to uh, show continuous profit growth, right? And they have to show results based upon what, you know, compared upon what they did last year. So to your point, you know, if they've realized those structural savings in one year, in the next year, they have to realize savings somewhere else or get profits somewhere else. Um, that's a challenge, of course, uh, working for a publicly traded company because you're forced to to operate like that. Um, that's that's a that's its own uh, that's its own animal, right? I try to. I'm working on the privately held uh, sphere, which. Yeah, I mean, the fundamentals still apply, though, don't they? You know, it's uh, it's a grind. You, you've got to grow and you've got to try and squeeze profits. It's uh, the fundamentals still apply. The fundamentals still apply. Yes. Um, well, it depends. You don't really have the same. I mean, you do have some you do have uh, similar reporting requirements, but you don't necessarily have uh, the same goals. You know, when private companies tend to be a little bit more flexible on their goals. But yeah, it's got to be profitable, obviously. Right. And how much in New Jersey? I mean, you know, I'm in the Philippines and the the noise from Silicon Valley, uh, you know, is, is deafening in terms of this is how you do business and you run businesses by raising capital and you're on a big burn and then maybe one day you'll become profitable. Um. You know, that has a lot of good things, but also a lot of bad things in that, you know, I think people live in fantasy land. They don't ever have to sort of be profitable. And um, But in a good respect, they, they think in systems and they think in growth and never happy with, with what was achieved yesterday. You've got to push on. How does that, does that sort of impact the thinking of business owners in New Jersey and what are they thinking when they're at a million dollars revenue and they can't get to two million? You know, how, how do the two worlds um, influence each other? I'm not sure that they do. Uh, I think that most of the business owners that I know of, um, first of all, a lot of the business owners 
in you know in New Jersey and really in America, and this is a whole demographic issue. Most of them are over fifty, so most of them are not really in tune with what is going on. Most of them don't have sources of of um, capital. Um, a lot of them are kind of old fashioned in their thinking that they're you know they're you know they got to run it out of their profits, right? And so. Um, I would say that most of, you know, and most of the businesses are, I think, are still like that, that are not involved in any, you know, that that aren't funded by venture capital. I mean, there are some that are, um, but in terms of the, you know, the volume of businesses that exist uh, that are employing 100 people or less, most of them are, um, you know, they're just, the owners are just trying to get by, right? They're just trying to figure out how to make profits and how to do the right thing for their employees, how to save money. Uh, a lot of them are not really in any exciting type of businesses. Even in some of the tech businesses, um, you know, they're run, uh, you'll be surprised by how many of them are, you know, are just trying to, just trying to be profitable. Um, Right. I mean, it's not so much in the, on the startup side. It's different. I mean, these startups, there are a lot of startups that are funded. They're kind of seen and run separate, you know, kind of separately. They have their own, their own networking groups and their own kind of groups. And then there's all these other businesses. <laughs> that, uh, Is it a generational thing, do you think? Because I don't think any 20-year-olds that obviously start a business ever conceive um, profit as relevant, <laughs> you know, <laughs> They just go for growth and they go for like their sort of milestones is how much they've raised as opposed to, you know, what sort of cash flow they're, they're generating. Is that a generational thing, do you think? Well, I think one of the challenges you have is that most of the businesses are were founded and run by baby boomers in the United States. And there's a huge, um, I guess, industry of, of people trying to get those those businesses sold to the next generation. You know, who's going to run all these businesses? First of all, the the baby boomer generation is like, you know, double the size of, you know, the millennials. The, the the younger generation just isn't there. And to your point, not that many of them are interested in running a business. There are some, however. So what's interesting is that um, there was, for my business coaching franchise, we had a generational consultant come in and talk about the millennials and say the millennial generation really needs to be seen as two generations. You have that typical, you know, that's maybe two thirds of them that are, you know, that are kind of entitled, don't want to work, aren't interested in profits, like you said. But then there's the third that are like, they're like turbocharged business owners. They're like totally on the different page. They, they understand the technology, they work hard, uh, they know how to run a business, and those are the ones uh, that are going to be powerful. And I've met a lot of those people that have that are taking over the businesses from their parents or have purchased businesses from older generations. There's not enough of them, but they do exist, and um, they're going to be running great businesses uh, in the future. Uh, we just hope that there's going to be more of them. <laughs> Right. But there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them that are out there. Um, so, you know, for every trend, there's a counter trend. There is, uh, isn't and, there? Yeah. And there's pockets. I mean, from, my, from my business coaching perspective, I focus on them. Right. So I'm only in that world. I'm finding business owners to help and bring to the next level. That's that's my that's how I started this. So that's what I see. 
and you and everything runs on business right you one of the fundamental things people don't understand is you can't run a business if you don't make profit right because if you don't have profit you can't pay for any, for things you can't pay for for you know new computers you can't pay for you can't pay for things so uh, one of the things that i teach is people have to charge more for their services. They have to charge enough. They have to make sure they're making profits. They have to make sure they're paying their people enough money. And you can only do that by having a quality product or service and charging the market price for them. Hmm. I find it amazing. And, you know, a business has to, you know, if they're going to generate $100, then they're typically going to spend some, you know, like $90 in order to generate that. And, if they spend a little bit over, then they're sunk. You know what I mean? And it's this such a fine, um, it takes such accuracy because you're spending $90, not necessarily in that same period, in that same month, but you might have to spend part of that $90 over the next 10 years and part of it over two years. And, you know, part of it's paying off a loan. And it's really, really complex, isn't it, to get this thing that, you know, ultimately you're putting 90% back into the system to create the $100 for the next month. And that's where I think society misses all of this. Like, sure, you know, businesses potentially get rich, but they're still pushing, you know, 90% back into the engine to make the next 100. It's, um, it's, it's sort of very life cycle isn't it? I would argue that what I see is that most business owners are not getting rich. They're working 80 hours a week and they make sure their employees get paid first. People forget what sacrifices they make for their employees. I have to just, I have to put it out there because people don't see it. You know, I know business owners that have nothing and are paying their employees and they are broke, honestly. I know people who, who, who are struggling to make those profits uh, to survive. And the other thing I want to point out is, and this is kind of where outsourcing comes in, because, you know, for a business owner, you know, if you're running a good business, you're making a certain amount of profit. And, you know, to, the difference between running a kind of a lackluster business and running a profitable business, it's not that it's not that big of a difference. The difference is really in efficiency and in operations and tweaking and fine-tuning that business to manage your costs and manage that business correctly so that you can provide excellent services, you can provide value for money for your customer, and you could make enough money to pay for everything. Because I like to say it this way, you, you can't go against the laws of physics. You can't give away your product at a discount and then make profit and then pay your people well. You can't mm. do all three, right? You have to pick two or be very careful about how you're running your business so it's efficient. And um, it's it's really hard, isn't it? Like I, you know, we both run a business obviously and I, I tend to find the P&Ls, the financials, you can look good on paper, but you can be most of the time cash strapped if you're reinvesting you know if you've if you've got a lot of capex you can be cap cash strapped and i tend to find that you need a profit of 30 to 40 percent before the business is actually able to spin off free cash 
you know, if you're if you've got a ten million dollar business and you're making ten percent profit, which is a million dollars profit in theory, it is very unlikely that you're actually able to spin out a million dollars from that business because it's tied up in various things and there's you know future investments and you're paying off loans and things like that, um, and so it, it it's kind of it's fake money in a way, and you really only have enough cash to spin off and to take out of the business, I believe, if you're at around 30 40% profit, which, of course, very few businesses are. And it's tough, isn't it? And then so most business owners ever actually crystallize wealth when they sell the business. It's only typically when they sell the business that they ever crystallize any wealth from the thing. It's, it is a tough road, isn't it? It is a tough road, and that's why that's why people need help, right? That's why they need help to to make sure that they're doing it right, and that's where um, I mean that, that's where that's I can argue that as a general uh, a general plug for a business coach. I think every business owner needs to have a coach or a series of coaches that know how to help them at their stage in their business, um, and you know. Finding the right people and outsourcing are all part of the, the part of the uh, you know part of the picture. All the things that you need to do to run a good business to make sure you're making that thirty to forty percent profit. Because to your point, a lot of businesses don't understand the amount of profit they need to make. I have a number of people I'm coaching. Uh, it's very easy to run your business. I'll give you an example. I know a ver- of a five million dollar business had 65 employees, and they were running that business at a slight loss for 10 years straight. And after 10 years, they realized they owed the bank a half a million dollars. And there was no way that the the business operation could pay that loan back. And you could do that. You can run a business and lose a little bit of money for many years and run up a huge debt. And then what do you do? In fact, there's a lot of businesses that do that. You, know, you look around, you know, not every business is making money. Not every business is healthy. So uh, that's why uh, it's it's a challenge to do that and to make sure your business is healthy. Sometimes it's just little, little tweaks, um, but that's part of it. Uh, it's, that's part of running a good business is, is understanding that. Crazy. From our standpoint, that's, you know, what providing services, you know, it, it all is together, right? If you're, if, if, if you're providing services, you want to provide that, that, that consultative kind of um, part of, of why you're going to do it, how you're going to do it, and make sure it works for the client. Make sure that they're getting value out of it and, you know, that they – they know their savings, but that they're looking at their whole operation as well. Hmm. Well, Gene, uh, we haven't spoken much about Archers. Uh, so let's touch on Archers. Archers is the spin-off company from your coaching. And basically, it is scratching that itch of realizing that this is such a powerful tool and there are incredible people in the Philippines. So um, how long have you uh, been running the Archers spin-off and, and how's that going? Oh, it's a couple of ways we can look at it. I mean, I started I started an official lead generation business about five years ago, doing lead generation projects with staff in the Philippines. The actual formation of the company has only been earlier this year, where we got a um, 
We've got a dedicated building. It's actually a new building. And we have it outfitted and started hiring for a couple of larger clients that came on board with all of the young, smaller clients that, that have, that I've brought in uh, to this. So, you know, we didn't start it as a, it's, it's kind of grew organically and it was just time to, to create the official company, Archer's Contact Solutions, you know, get a, get a good place for it, um, get the proper infrastructure for for the for the company to scale it to the next level and that's what we're doing hmm. well done where's the office where are you based it's in das marinas in cavite right fantastic well done and do you visit the philippines much yourself i try to go at least once a quarter uh, i go for two weeks uh and of course i'm uh, working with my team every day uh using we have all the Modern communication methods. We use Slack, we use Skype, all kinds of different methods to keep in touch. Um, not only with me and them, but with them and the clients, because I want them to work with the clients directly as well. Sure. Yeah. Well, incredible! What a journey, and congratulations! And you know, you're doing fantastic work for the businesses of New Jersey and also the uh, economy and people in the Philippines. It's amazing how the sort of net, the networked globe um, can benefit and work together. Yeah? It's, it's a fascinating thing that's come out of the last 20 years of technology. Yeah, it's, it's amazing and how well uh, everyone is able to use the same tools, right? People are... Mm using the same tools in, in That's high key, school actually, and isn't college, it? it's, it's right? the it's the uniformity of tools and the, the fact that everything is now sort of browser based everything's on you know on the internet and everyone is growing up using the same tools it's that yeah, they're all using everything so i know how to they know how to use it they know how to use canva they knew how to use facebook they use everyone knows how to use slack and and all the different tools so that it's easy to integrate and uh and everyone is pretty easy to train, <laughs> right? So that's the other thing. I think I think one of the things that I see also is that uh, from all of the um, Filipinos that I've worked with is that they're just they're, they they want to learn, they want to work hard, they want to do well at their jobs and do well for their clients, and there's a level of commitment that that you that I see that is. I, I feel exemplary and I think people um, I think when people experience that they you know they're they're happy with that I think that's mm. that's my experience well done Gene great great story and fantastic uh, using you as my uh, counselor to, to figure out all of my business woes but <laughs> thank you so much and the, the insights are fantastic oh, as always I encourage people to to reach out have a conversation see what you're up to and also see how outsourcing can really impact and transform their business. So if people want to get in touch or learn more, how can they do that? Yeah, just email me at gene at archers with an S contact solutions.com. Uh, I'm willing to help, um, you know, in any way possible. Um, if somebody's new on the journey to outsourcing and wants to understand what that's going to look like, I have lots of experience in all sectors, right? Not just outbound sales, but we, you know, we have bookkeeping, we do social media, websites, all kinds of different projects that we have experience working with, uh, with business owners and uh, executives and companies 
uh, in the U.S. and also, but also other countries as well. Yeah. So reach out. Experience goes a help. long way. Huh? Right. Gene, thank you so much. That was Gene Bohensky. He is the CEO of Archer's Contact Solutions. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to send us an email, just email us at ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.